Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. My name is Stephen Hilger. Stephen, you started playing Fortnite. Yeah. The biggest game on planet <laughs> the Earth. The biggest game on planet Earth. Uh, I, I'm sorry I led with a yeah that sounded like yeah. because um, That's how I felt when I started it though. I'll say this. I have been playing video games since I was born. I am <laughs> almost 30. Uh -huh. So I've been doing this for a while and whenever like my parents played a pretty good amount of games with me. My mom loved like the Nintendo games and my dad and I actually played Resident Evil a lot together. Mm. Um, That's awesome. So they were like they had, you know, they were kind of knee deep. But most of the time, whenever there's like a new game out, that was the cool thing. They would be like, what do I do? Where am I? Oh, this is confusing. Yeah. And I was always like, haha, you don't get it. I now am feeling that with Fortnite where I jumped in and I was so confused. So this is what happened. <laughs> Uh, I downloaded Fortnite and on Switch, correct? On Switch, yeah. on Switch, yeah, because it's free. I haven't played PUBG, so like this is really my first oh. literal dive into this genre. Yeah, so so I started playing Fortnite. I I'm diving in. I'm completely alone. There's no one. There's no one around me. I guess I chose the bad part of the map. There's no one near me. Did you choose solo mode or were you in squads? I was in, I got, I just clicked like start game. Oh, okay. Again, for some reason, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like embodied a parent in this. No, moment. that's exactly how like, I started too. So don't yeah. worry about it. I, I totally get you. I am completely alone. I destroyed a log cabin with a pickaxe, which was oddly like beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I built, I just started building stuff because I figured it was Fortnite. That's a thing. Yeah. So I built like a really tall, there was like a naturally tall, like, uh, watch point that was already in the map. Mm -hmm. So I climbed that and then I just kept building more stairs to go higher and higher. Uh -huh. uh, not knowing that fall damage was a thing. I built it as high as my resources would allow and then jumped off and <laughs> died uh, from fall damage. And then the void of the matrix caught up with me and, and consumed me. And that was your first game before. And that was my so like being completely alone, destroying a house, building nothing and then getting consumed by the void was my initial <laughs> Fortnite experience. It seems fun. I mean, I, I think that it's we've talked a lot on, on this show about what we consider games for us. And, you know, or in early episodes, you were like, I am enjoying Octopath Traveler, even though it's like the opposite of what I look for in a game. Yeah. I, I've only played Fortnite for like an hour, so it's I am not in any kind of position to to judge it or or say anything because I'm sure it's a fun game. But I am immediately like this is this feels like the anti Steven game. Like it's like everything <laughs> I'm not looking for. Yeah, in the nicest way possible. Because I the one interesting thing that I saw once I finally was able to catch up with people in my second run of it, it seemed like the enemy team who was way better. They were like shooting and building at the same time. Mm -hmm. So they would like throw a wall up and then just win. Um, and that was pretty cool. Pro advice. Don't just build a tower to nowhere by yourself and then jump off. But yeah, I could I, I feel like I. I have a lot of feelings on it already. Um, again, overall, I think it's a fun game. It's free and it's ridiculous that it's free because like all the in-game purchases, as far as I can tell, are cosmetics. So it's not like you have to like pay to win or anything. Right. Um, which is pretty common in free games, I feel. It's uncommon enough that it's refreshing in a game like Fortnite. You know what I mean? For sure. 100 percent. Um I just can't help but feel like, like, you know, I, I'm sure the people who made the game had like a lot of passion for it. And I think it's paid off because it's a huge game, but it does feel a little bit like let's combine every zeitgeist into one game. Like let's Minecraft, uh, mm -hmm. PUBG, Overwatch adjacent art style. Yeah, it's like every popular trend right now combined into one game. And I don't think it's done so in like a soulless way, but I have to kind of raise an eyebrow at some of the like just shameless similarities with other games here. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So just like a quick background on, on Fortnite. So that game, the game that you played is Fortnite Battle Royale specifically. Right. Fortnite itself is a different game. It's like a wave-based zombie tower defense kind of thing where you're supposed to build your own towers and defend them. That game has been in development for years, like years and years. The actual Battle Royale mode that has become this giant phenomenon was built in like a couple months, I think. It was made by Epic Games who make the, uh, I just forgot the name of the engine. Is it Unreal? That's not Unreal. I think it is. 
use that engine, right? So it's like the people who made the engine made the game in that engine. So like obviously they're good at it, which is why they're able yeah. to turn around a battle royale mode that quickly. But when it came out, it really was just like a carbon copy of PUBG with the fort building from the regular Fortnite game. And I think that was kind of my sticking point with it for a while. It was like, I don't want to play this because it's just like, like you said, a carbon copy of, of this other game. I just want to say, because I feel like I led pretty negative. Like, I'm definitely open to playing more of it. We could play together and maybe like, yes, just give it more of a shot. Because it, it does seem like it's really fun, but I'm also not as experienced with shooting games. It's not really, that's probably the genre I would put at the bottom of my list. I've played Overwatch and TF2 and that's about it. Mm -hmm. And I was actually, just to sort of make a quick side point in terms of like, strong influence versus carbon copy yeah i feel like you could definitely argue that overwatch is that for tf2 but then the difference is tf2 had been around for like eight years and overwatch kind of felt like they were just kind of picking up the baton where it left off yeah i agree and they definitely play like different games i mean there's definitely a a character centric focus in overwatch in both the gameplay and the art style which again i i love i love the characters of that game mm-hmm. that's why i kind of went into fortnite being like it feels like they're they're doing a similar art style, but there isn't that attention to detail with like the character design and all that kind of stuff, which totally different game. Obviously it's not about the characters, but even, even comparing it to PUBG though, like that's kind of the sticking point. I know some people that play PUBG exclusively and they, they hate Fortnite because it's like, it's like the clone of PUBG, which is the game that they like. The thing about Fortnite for me is that it feels, I, I, the comparison I make constantly is, uh, PUBG is Snapchat and Fortnite is Instagram stories where like Instagram <laughs> stories was like a very clear ripoff of Snapchat. But the right. day it came out, I remember downloading it like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to see what Instagram stories looks like. And I opened it up and started using it. It was like, this is way better than Snapchat stories. This is like <laughs> significantly better. It's like they just took yeah. the idea and they were just like, let's improve on it literally in every single way. Make it easier to use, make it better, make the photo quality higher, like do everything perfectly. Uh, and, and now Snapchat is dying <laughs> and Instagram yeah. stories is gigantic. And that is kind of the exact same story with PUBG and Fortnite. God, I've never felt older in my life hearing that Snapchat is dying. I was like, oh, all those teens going to Lollapalooza with Snapchat. And now I'm like, I know, I know nothing. I don't know how to play Fortnite. I don't know what's cool. I know nothing. And that was illuminated by me falling into the void of Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, you had, you had like a, a brief, uh, brief moment of lucidity before the void consumed There you. was also, I, I do, th- I make a, standard uh practice of turning off the voice chat in every shooting game i play oh same because i forgot to do that in fortnite and there was a guy on my team just like whispering cryptic like oh man um so that added to my terrence malik yeah falling from this tower that i made i made one part i made like a cone of bricks what am i doing it was a mess, Brendan. I, I needed I needed I needed to hire a coach, I guess. <laughs> that is a thing that's happening. A lot of people have been talking about that recently. I don't know if yeah. you've seen that. There's like a lot of people talking about how like parents are hiring Fortnite tutors for their kids. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, I know they were like Dota. That's the kind of like I like I remember I played Dota for probably an equal amount of time. Yeah. And boy, is there again, I'm sure it's an awesome game. I don't need to tell you that it's one of the biggest competitive games or maybe it's not. Maybe I don't know anything. Right. But <laughs> that's a game that's not intuitive at all unless you have someone being like, OK, here's what you want to focus on and, and yeah. all this stuff. And I'm getting that to a lesser degree, but I'm getting a bit of that in Fortnite where it's like as much as this game literally has you dive right into it, it's it, you got to. You gotta have someone be like, okay, maybe focus on yeah, not not building a, a modern art in the middle of the map. It is weird because Fortnite is in this place right now. I think I think it's still in early access, quote unquote, uh, which is right. amazing. Kind of like how Gmail was in beta for ten years. Like, all right, it, it works. Like, just just say that it's the thing. <laughs> but um, it it is weird starting in Fortnite and having literally no idea what you're supposed to do or how to play or anything. Yeah. Like, there is no tutorial. There is nothing. And I. I'm sure you could probably get this from having listened to the show or knowing me at all. But like, I kind of enjoy that experience of getting thrown yeah. into a thing and just like figuring it out. And my first like when I when I started playing on Switch and I was like, I'm I'm going to try and get into this and see why it's the biggest game on planet Earth. Those first like five to ten games of like figuring it out, I think were kind of maybe the most fun I've had playing it until I ended up winning again. Like the next time I won <laughs> after figuring out how to play the game for real. 
Right, right. Then I had this whole like learning experience, which I, I found really fun, like learning the map, learning which weapons are good, which ones are bad, learning like where to drop, where to not drop. Like, OK, this is where all the esports people drop. Get as far away from there as humanly possible. <laughs> Stuff like yeah. that. I think it's really fun. Hang out, hang out with Steven in the woods. And, uh, and just oh, is that where you went? You went to the woods? I don't even know where I was. Yeah, some actually I was in a more open like hill area. Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, I I can totally. I'm sure, like in a week, I'll come back and be like, "Hey, I take back everything I said. It's a great game." I would love to play that game with you, honestly. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad game. I just um, I feel so confused and overwhelmed by it. Yeah, I get it. Which is not an experience I have had often because I can usually like give me a few minutes, I can figure something out. This one was just like, "What am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> where, where is everyone?" I'll say this much, just in terms of my own personal play strategy with that game is that I don't build anything ever, basically. Uh, I just completely ignore that side of things. Unless I'm, like, building stairs to get over a thing. Sure. I I generally don't build at all. Like, I don't build structures to hide or whatever. Like, I'll just hide behind, like, natural formations, like rocks and trees and stuff. I find that that actually kind of works to my advantage at the moment, because right now, if you play the game, it seems like the meta for the actual competitive side of that game is, like, there's a specific structure that you're supposed to build if you're in a firefight and that'll prevent you from getting shot and i find that people tend to lean so heavily into just like playing the way the meta dictates instead of like actually kind of paying attention to the moment-to-moment action that's happening around them so generally i'll start shooting at someone they'll start building that thing and i'll just run around behind that structure with a shotgun and just shoot them while they're building because they don't realize that i'm doing that because they think i'm also building the same structure i think (laughs) which i find really fun but yeah i that is the only reason i continue to win in that game ever is literally because like People just focus so much on building that they forget that it's a game where you shoot other people with guns. <laughs> I certainly forgot that. It's not called uh, Gun Night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, was, why was that so funny to me? <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a shot. I uh, It's free. I, I think um, that's sort of like if I paid money for it, I'd probably be a little bit like, why did I do this? But it's free. Yeah. So, so they do a really cool thing where they have this thing called the Battle Pass, which There's a free version and then there's a paid version. And the free version allows you to just like do challenges over the course of a season. So seasons are like three or four months and they'll like change things significantly. Like there is a very loose story happening in Fortnite, which is really wild. Like there was a thing about a month ago where they shot a rocket off into space and like you had to be playing the game and in the game at a very specific time in a very specific place to see it. It was just, you know, a hundred people landing around this evil base in the mountains watching this rocket shoot off into the air and it it cracked the sky open and there was like an alien ship that was flying around and the and the sky started opening up and after that happened we went into the current season and the map changed like dramatically that's really cool yeah instead of doing the PUBG thing where it's like we're gonna like tweak things a little bit and we're gonna add a new map fortnite is like same map always we're just gonna change stuff about it over time and then also add things into it so the game is kind of growing and evolving over time in a way that i've never really seen except for games like destiny um which i think is really is really fascinating but anyway the battle pass thing there's the free version and then there's the paid version the paid version i think is like maybe 10 bucks or something like that and you get a bunch of challenges uh every single week they give you seven more challenges that you can do and as you continue to do them you unlock more things like skins uh, in-game currency you can spend on more skins and things like that and what's very cool about that i paid for it last season and i made enough of the in-game currency to just cover the cost again for this season so it seems like if you just save all of the in-game currency you get you continue to just unlock Mm. stuff for free after that which is really cool business model and and i think epic has been really smart about like we're making more money than any game company has literally ever made on a video game before (laughs) so they're starting to give back to the community in really interesting ways so like i don't i don't know if you heard about this but they did a thing where like if you were making assets for the unreal engine you would make a cut if any of them sold you would make like i think 15 percent or something along those lines or sorry sorry other way around uh you would make like 75 to 85 percent of that sale and epic would take the 15 percent And they just lowered that to 10%. So now Epic is taking less of a percentage because they're making so much money on Fortnite and giving back to the community even more. But not only that, but they backpaid that extra 5% across all sales that have ever happened. Oh, wow. Everyone who's ever made a sale on uh, stuff that they made for the Unreal Engine just got an extra 5% of all of their sales back until however long they've been making sales for. So like, I don't know, they're, they're going about it the really correct way. Like it, 
feels like they're creating goodwill. If they're making more money than anyone has ever off a game, I can't imagine they anticipated this. I think that they're hand, like you said, they're handling it well. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And, and hopefully the game kind of finds a stronger sense of identity as it becomes more and more popular, which I think is only natural. Yeah. Based on you saying that there's an event where an alien cracks the sky open, I am immediately more intrigued into playing this again. Yeah. So like, you know, that whole area of the map on the bottom right, maybe it's like a desert area. I'm sure you saw it like when you were flying the bus over whatever yeah yeah that whole desert area was a different map that was like completely different and and oh, interesting the event that happened the quote-unquote event was uh things moving backwards and forwards in time so mm. technically that part of the map is going back in time to when it was a desert and there's a, a golf course where there used to be like just a big empty plane so like we've gone into the future now where like that area of the land was developed so weird stuff like that happening, which is very cool. There's some stuff from the real world that got moved into Fortnite, and then they took some stuff from Fortnite and then actually built it and put it out in the middle of the desert in the real world. They're like really wow. doing it. <laughs> it's very cool. It's cool. I, I didn't expect to get as into it as I did, honestly. I, I yeah. played a surprising amount of that game, having been largely uninterested in downloading it kind of as a curiosity. Um, but sure. I, I played a shitload of it and I would love to, uh, we should, we should hop into duo sometime and like hop yeah, on discord and like to, do the whole thing. I think we've, we, on this show, we've done a lot of things where we kind of give first impressions and then we'll play more of a game and talk more about it. So that's a game that definitely deserves more of my time because the first hour was just bogus. So I gotta, I gotta try. <laughs> and that's entirely on me. Like that's not the game's fault. I'm just, you know. I suddenly just became ill-equipped for the present reality. Yeah, I do think I do think you can kind of put some of the blame at the foot of the game, right? Like, it's not teaching you anything. It's not telling you how to do anything. If you're coming into the game just knowing that Fortnite is the biggest game of all time and saying, like, I'm going to try and figure this out and it doesn't give you anything to go off of. <laughs> I get well, it. I think I think that. I'd also like when a game doesn't give you a lot of concrete instructions. Like I, I was remembering the first time I played Minecraft, which when I played that game, it was 2011, right? Yeah. That was still in, in early access. It was in beta still. Yeah. That's a game where you're given absolutely nothing, no directions, but you know that, okay, my one goal is to survive the night. Like once I get through the night, yeah. then I'll be okay. And you may learn that by getting to nighttime and having nothing and seeing what happens. Right. But you have that and it's just you. And I think that like that game's focused around that. Whereas in Fortnite, there's like eight moving parts, right? There's like, where are my teammates? What are we doing? What's our strategy as a team? Mm -hmm. Oh, no one's talking. Everyone's just kind of breathing heavily into the mic. I'm going to turn that off. Yeah. Uh, what do I build? So I think I will, I too will enjoy that discovery as I play it more. Yeah. Um, and if we play together, that will just inherently be fun. So we should do that too. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm very down for that. Hell yeah. Fortnite is a good game. I'm like, <laughs> I was, I'm just surprised by it. Like I just kind of thought it was like a flash in the pan thing. Um, but I mean, it really has sticking power, I think. And we talked about this during the E3 episode, which, Hey listeners, you can go back and listen to. We have like a two hour E3 discussion episode, but my thing with the battle Royale genre was like, I was just expecting some other companies to come along and add battle Royale to their games and just do a much better job. Right. So like, okay, here's, Activision and Treyarch coming along and adding Battle Royale to Call of Duty, which has like, say what you will about that franchise, but like they have arguably some of the best gunplay mechanics of any game. And that's why that sure. game continues to sell every single year. Them just adding Battle Royale with that kind of industry standard gunplay, like seems like it would be a better game. Same thing with DICE and adding Battle Royale to Battlefield. Like I just assumed that all these companies would add it and it would be like, okay, there goes PUBG, there goes Fortnite, because like the real people are kind of getting into it. But I think I think Fortnite's going to be around forever. I don't know about PUBG, but I think Fortnite's going to be around forever. Uh, Steven, let's take a break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about Destiny 2. Sounds good to me. Goodbye, everyone. Farewell. Oh, shit. I forgot. I did play it on PS4 when it came out on PS4. I forgot about this. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because we I remember we were talking about how you couldn't log into your account on Switch. Right. I played it on PS4 first, played two games and won both of them. And I was like, I'm done with Fortnite forever. <laughs> I was just gloating there. I, I hope everyone uh, thinks that I'm very impressive and cool. Hey, you did better than I. My first run was like a short film about life. Yours was <laughs> victory. Yeah, my, mine was Braveheart two times. Mine was, mine was Terrence Malick at the beach, basically. <laughs> yeah, yours was Terrence Malick's Braveheart. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a game I would play. Yeah, me 100%. too. Should we talk about Destiny? 
Yeah, so we're back. Brendan, you said you wanted to talk about some Destiny 2. Tell me everything. Yes, welcome back. Well, first I have a question for you, because I All right. every once in a while I see you on PSN, and I know that you have Destiny 2. Uh-huh. What is your background with Destiny 2, Destiny? Like, how do you feel about those games in general? This is just the, like, Steven not being super into shooters episode, I guess. But um, I will That's talk fine. about... Yeah, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just curious how you, how you feel about it. Um, I really enjoy Destiny 2. So I got Destiny um, having only experienced destiny one through you and our other friends who had played it basically i didn't pick it up yeah and i got destiny 2 kind of on a whim just to check it out i will say immediately destiny 2 is way more up my alley than fortnite is on a base level Mm -hmm. uh just on a surface level i really really enjoyed the worlds and the art direction um just exploring and the the my favorite moment of destiny 2 was going on what is the purple and yellow planet every planet is like a color palette uh like the contradictory colors like there's like a red and green planet and there's a purple and yellow planet uh purple and yellow i'm not really sure there nessus and io and titan always get confused for me it's it's io Uh, io is the planet i'm thinking of Mm. regardless i went on io and there was another uh there was a hunter who was dancing Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a titan um a big awkward titan i uh zipped by on my motorbike and got off and started dancing and we just danced for like maybe 20 minutes and then i realized that was a friend of mine from real life oh my god yeah we just started playing together that talk about really solid shooting mechanics i don't think i've played a shooter with with just like a better like yeah better shooting gameplay than destiny um class system is super fun in a nutshell my experience of that game was nothing but enjoying it and then i got my titan to max level and then just sort of like stopped playing in, in a play i just sort of moved on i had the same thing with with world of warcraft where like i would make a character i would get them to like level 20 ish i'd feel pretty good about their outfit and then kind of move <laughs> on yeah so i i think that where that game loses me is sort of like once you get to the point where it's all about the gear and the raids like and i hear the raids in that game are phenomenal and yeah. i'd like to experience that They're but great. that kind of like weekly let's do this you know, let's do this run of this thing. That's sort of where the game lost me a bit. If that makes sense. Mm. Did you play the first one also? No, I haven't played. I've only played Destiny 2, oh, which okay. like I hear is I remember my friend who was like really into the first one was like, man, I should have just waited for two because like, this is what the first one was kind of promised to be in a way. Yeah. So just like to give a cursory background, because I honestly, for people who are listening to this podcast, like I'm probably going to talk about Destiny a lot on this show just because destiny is like the game that i play mainly yeah so just a quick background i played destiny one in the alpha state when you and i were working for another video game website Mm -hmm. and i forget i think i think we got a bunch of alpha codes because we were going to like cover it or something and i remember playing the alpha and being like this is exactly my game like this is like i knew then playing the alpha this is the game that i'm going to play like constantly and forever and then it came out and then the story was basically non-existent and didn't make any sense like what was there didn't make any sense which we've now learned uh in the interim they literally rewrote the whole story like two months before the game came out which is not great but anyway people were not a fan of destiny when it launched basically even the community that was playing it obsessively was like this needs to be better this needs to be better this needs to be better and bungie was constantly like we're trying we're trying we're trying but like either making it worse or just kind of making like lateral moves like it wasn't actually getting better Mm. until some of the dlcs came out and whatever and there are other teams that took over so they have like a main team that's making like the main game and like one of the dlcs and then they have what they call the live team which is making all the other dlcs and like different events and things like that Uh, So when the main team moved on to make Destiny 2 and the live team took over, suddenly the game got a lot better. And some of the DLCs that came out under the live team were like just quality of life kind of changes that were really wonderful. And then Destiny 2 came out and all those quality of life changes went away. And and all of the things that had kind of made people happy with Destiny by the time it was over, by the time year three ended, were like, okay, this is like back to square one again. What's happening here? We're now getting to that point in Destiny 2 which is a game that I also really like. I mean, I, I should just mention, like, there's a lot of discourse about Destiny and, and how it's like a failure and people hate Bungie forever now. And like, I, if you're listening to this podcast and you listen to the last episode, I think it's safe to say that I generally don't side with Internet hate mobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that goes for both of us. Yeah. 
I, I tend to uh, find a lot of enjoyment in Destiny, and, and I think the things that people find repetitive are things that I find really fun, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I have like a really solid group of people that I play with who are as into it as I am, and, and we're all pretty competitive when we get into like the Crucible PvP stuff, so like, I don't know, there, there's a lot of enjoyment to be had in that game for me. Especially with friends, too. Like, that's that's the sort of like... Yeah. That's what is the icing on the cake for that game, is if you're with friends and you all have your own ship, and like just little things like that is so fun. If I had been playing that game solo, I would not be playing it for as long as I have definitely yeah. I, I know that for a fact but anyway destiny destiny 2 is now getting to the point where like we are coming up on the beginning of year two with like a huge expansion is about to come out they're adding new subclasses to all the different classes they're uh it's like a weird western theme where like you have to go out and like kill a bunch of uh escaped prisoners one by one it kind of has like a weird link between worlds thing where you can go do them in any order <laughs> Very cool. Very cool thing. But more importantly, what we're getting to also is like the live team took over again because the main team is working on Destiny 3 now. So the live team is adding those quality of life improvements that made Destiny 1 good to Destiny 2 now. And the game is like in a really good place right now. So is following that chain of events, is Destiny 3 going to come out in like a month and then, you know, start over? Destiny 3, I imagine next year at some point or, or maybe two years from now. Uh, will come out and hopefully fingers crossed they will not make the same mistakes again i have heard a lot of people kind of consider destiny 2 like destiny 1.5 so yeah maybe three you know maybe third time's the charm i don't know maybe maybe what they could do with destiny 3 because i think a lot of people were angry that all their stuff all their like you know equipment and and characters and levels didn't carry over to destiny 2 yeah so if you like invested in the first game you had to, again literally start from scratch in the second yeah and and they even like try and contextualize it in the narrative of the game <laughs> okay where they try and say like okay the the red legion the cabal one of the enemy factions like comes in and wipes out the tower and destroys your vault and all the stuff that's in it so like that's why you can't carry any of the stuff over i don't know it was goofy it was a goofy thing i didn't really mind because my thought process was as long as the game is like even one percent better than destiny one was i'll be happy to get rid of everything and start from scratch because mm -hmm. it means that like the game that i already loved is getting better you know what i mean like yeah anyway the the whole reason i'm bringing up destiny 2 in the first place is there's an event that's happening right now and it's called solstice of heroes i love that that's a good name yeah bungie's so good at naming things they're they so really ridiculous are. what is amazing about solstice of heroes is it's like the end of year one event so it's all month it's all of august uh you can go in and do it and what they do is they give you the broken shitty armor that you get right in the beginning of the game it's like the first time you play the story that like terrible armor that you have that gets like all beat up and destroyed and like you start mm -hmm. replacing it with better armor over time they give you that shitty armor and you have to do all these different quests for each armor piece to upgrade it from shitty broken armor to slightly better armor and then there's a second set of quests on that slightly better armor that then makes it like the best that you can get in the game and then there's one more uh set of quests that you can do to what's called master work it which means that like you get a bunch of upgrades and a bunch of like things happen when you wear that armor all together and those quests that you're doing i didn't realize this as i started doing it but those quests that you're doing are basically like hey go play this game again in the state that it's in now which is really interesting because the game mm -hmm. has changed so much in the year that it's come out they've changed so many things about it crucible uh pvp is in this weird spot right now where the matchmaking is actually broken where it's not matchmaking based on uh connection quality or skill level it's just random and it is honestly the most fun that crucible has ever been <laughs> i really liked the crucible i remember when the reviews were coming out like everyone sort of knocked it a bit yeah it was much slower it was 4v4 instead of 6v6 yeah the the meta was very strange like hand cannons which were really dominant in destiny one weren't anymore snipers didn't really work anymore it was like oh you just took all the things that were fun and kind of removed them crucible is now 6v6 again uh it's much faster the time to kill is way less all of those weapon types that people liked are coming back and because there's no matchmaking, it's just like a random kind of a fun time. So that's really cool. They have retooled all of the uh, story missions to now have heroic modes, which scale to your light level, which means that when you go in, 
things are significantly harder. I spent an hour trying to beat one mission by myself the other day just because like it was really difficult and I needed to do it to upgrade this armor piece. So what they've inadvertently done is said like, hey, go play this game again in the state that it's in now. And I bet you're going to have a better time than when you played the whole game in three days right when it came out, uh, which is what most people who were like me ended up doing was like, I'm going to stay up until four in the morning and just play this entire game in three <laughs> days uh, so I can start like grinding for later shit. But yeah, I, I've been having just the best time playing Destiny 2 again for the first time in a really long time. Like I played Hollow Knight and I played Fortnite and I wow, every Everything has night in it, doesn't it? <laughs> I played yeah. all these different games, Octopath, things like that, just kind of like filling the void until Destiny 2 had the big update come out. And then this whole Heroes thing happened. And like, that's all I've been doing. It's just like my friends and I hopping on for the first time in a long time. We, you know, the four of us together jumping into old missions and doing patrol missions on the planets and like doing adventures and, and playing a bunch of uh, Crucible quick play and stuff like that, playing competitive crucible which like we never do yeah it's been really fun i i think that game is like fucking great and and i get it's not for everyone but it is certainly for me <laughs> yeah that's that's how i feel about a lot of games yeah I, I, maybe i'll get back in i i i do not have a external hard drive from my ps4 like you do so destiny 2 <laughs> takes up approximately eight ps4 so i did <laughs> temporarily yeah. delete it because i wasn't playing it as much but maybe i will simultaneously get a hard drive yeah and download us too if you ever want to get back into it i feel free i i can take you through it (laughs) i miss my i had a uh, exo titan that was my main guy yeah Uh, again my main drive in games like that is getting the outfit i want so when you first meet the the guy who's the head of the crucible Mm -hmm. he's wearing peacock feathered garnished yeah gladiator gear and i was like holy shit i need that look mm-hmm. so uh i got it and then i was like this is like I've, again that's alexander wept for their no more kingdoms to conquer i was like what how can i go up from here i i am 100 the same way i play that yeah. game specifically to just look badass i i consider destiny a fashion game more than anything else i like the system of being able to um deconstruct items you don't need it, it creates a really piece, fast pieces yeah. back like things that you can spend to get the stuff that you want yeah yeah like i i don't like the rpg trope of having to sell a bunch of useless shit like i mean it, it's kind of fun organized but I, that game you get stuff so frequently yeah that it's helpful that you can just anywhere deconstruct an item and and eventually uh, or or use it to reinforce an item that you like yeah they have significantly increased the amount of stuff that you get as well since you last <laughs> oh, wow. played. All right. Like every game of Crucible that you play, you'll probably get like five or six pieces of gear. My nightmare is that I'm going to go back to Destiny 2 and everyone is wearing my outfit, the peacock feathered garnished gladiator gear, and I'm going to have an anxiety attack. I promise you that nobody is wearing that. I know Thank exactly Christ. what set you're wearing. <laughs> Okay, good. I also have like Tron armor, like Tron arms, basically, like sci-fi in the desert, Mobius triangle things. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, love, love all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, when when Forsaken comes out, that's the new expansion. If you're interested in playing it, I would love to do that. I also yeah. at some point on this podcast, I I have this theory that Destiny 2's narrative and the expansions so far have been meta narratively about making Destiny. Um, and I'll have to get into that someday because I, I have this like wild theory that Destiny 2 is a game about Destiny. <laughs> I really like that. I will say like the story for Destiny 2 as a placeholder is, you know, whatever. But the beginning, um, the very beginning where you lose everything and and you have to like crawl through the ashes of the city and find your your ghosts and all that kind of stuff is really effective for setting up the entire game. You know, that idea of starting at nothing. And it's a really effective like kickoff for a game like that. That's all about finding stuff. Same thing with Breath of the Wild. You start with nothing. Yeah. You know, and getting your ass kicked by by who is the final boss of the campaign is like really great that's a really great way to start it's kind of like did you play god of war the new one i haven't yet i need to it's on my it's on my list knowing knowing me i will play it in a year and then we will gush about it and no one will care because it's a year after it came out very down honestly um i'm I'm gonna play that game again when new game plus comes out anyway so we can talk about it then but without spoiling anything like the first boss of that game is probably one of the best boss fights i've ever experienced and it is kind of a similar thing where it's like oh i'm going up against someone fucking brutal it's good it's very good would you like to take a break 
Yeah, let's do that and then come back and talk about Hollow Knight some more. I would love that. I would love to do that. Talk to you soon. Hooray. See you later. Yeah, wait, let me see when Okami's coming out. Just like make sure it's I think it's Thursday. I think it's this coming week. Oh, Okami comes out April 20th, 2006. Uh, so (laughs) (laughs) can't wait can't i'm so excited it's gonna be the best it's a year before junior prom have you been watching any of evo no i was watching yesterday while i was editing another show it's good man evo's so good i love evo i always forget like how fun it is to watch that stuff i was watching uh melee quarterfinals yesterday Uh Oh, oh my god melee is such a ridiculous game still yeah yeah melee is really fun i was watching uh that new dragon ball z fighting game that came oh out. yeah that's a great game i i've played that a lot on ps4 that is so fun to watch i don't i've yeah. never played it but like man watching that game is really fun it's um i really really love that game i yeah. so that's the weird thing about me is every like i would say most predominantly i am playing rpg rpg adjacent games yeah and then planets will go in retrograde or something happens and i all i want to do is play fighting games and get like really good at them hell yeah so the new because the new dragon ball z game is made by um arc who make like the guilty gear and blaze blue games which are like legit like you have to like get a second job to learn these games fighting games uh dbz is streamlined in a way that i think is way more approachable which i appreciate but what i love is that the narrative of the story mode of that game goes out of its way to explain why yamcha has a chance at this they're like okay there's a thing that's happening that like it, it gets rid of everyone's power level so everyone's at like a similar place basically i love that and all the villains like yamsha like aren't you shit like why are you here um yeah it's really really funny that's awesome that's such a great way of doing it oh man and it's also that's a game too where even if you're losing like you said earlier it's fun to watch it's just so beautifully animated and i've always kind of had a guilty pleasure for the dbc games and this one's like legitimately a great fighting game yeah it seems like it I, I used to play Budokai on PS2 back in the day. <laughs> Hell yeah. That one was like, if you played as Frieza, you won. Or like all the or the characters that were canonically really strong were the best. Yeah. And this one, if you wanted to play as Tien, Yamcha, and Krillin, like you can. And you could probably be pretty... Krillin's actually pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome. My go-to team is Piccolo. I love... I've always loved Piccolo. Piccolo and Android 21 and Android 18 are my, my three. Nice. Android 18 is great. Yeah, I I'm iffy about picking it up. I I keep thinking like, oh, that'd be a really fun game to just like try out. But I don't know if that's a game you can just try out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, it's it is and it isn't. I played online a pretty decent amount, and I feel like I'm either winning way too strongly or just have no chance at all yeah um i i feel like that's a game where no one's like i'm pretty good it's either like i don't know what i'm doing or this is my job right i've mastered cell to a scientific degree and know exactly when <laughs> to like so yeah. but honestly I, I think it's really fun i think it's also a fun game to have like to play with people who are over it's easy enough to pick up that it's fun to have like on a local level as yeah, well um totally. i'd recommend it i i was really happy with it the story mode is is bananas but i enjoyed it <laughs> hey we're back and we are going to talk about hollow knight some more which is a game that brennan and i both love and we've talked about on almost every episode in some way in the past we've done sort of first impressions on both sides um this section is going to contain some spoilers so just a heads up if you want to avoid that maybe just skip the rest of this episode honestly um, cause we're gonna, we're gonna just talk about a lot of, a lot of stuff with this game. Yeah. Next episode will probably be about dead cells though. So yeah. just a heads up in case you're bummed about this episode being something that you can't listen to. We'll definitely talk about dead cells in the Okami release next time. But for now we're going to talk more about hollow Knight, which is also slowly becoming one of my favorite games. I think. Yeah. You, you sent me a screenshot showing me that you crossed the point where I started to love that game. And yeah. I'm just wondering where you're at. So uh, just like a quick thing, not spoiler related, but I have gone back and started playing that game again just because, you know, I knew we were going to talk about it and I just wanted to go back and try it out anyway. I have completely doubled down on thinking that the beginning of that game is kind of rough. Yeah, I think specifically because like your movement options and your and your combat abilities are so limited in the beginning. 
um, and, and there's so little direction given to you that it is like it feels very slow and plodding and like I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't really understand like the capabilities of my own power or, or how I can how I can even fight really. And you compare that to where you end up in the game and maybe even where you're at at this point where like movement options have increased a little bit with you start getting enough of the charms, which we didn't even talk about the charm system last week. But like no. you start getting the charms, you can kind of start to mix and match and like create your own play style through that. It opens the game up in like a really significant way and makes it way more interesting than the beginning. So right now I'm about maybe an hour and a half in and I'm at where you were at last week. So like I just fought Hornet mm. and that's just because like I know the map like the back of my hand at this point. So I've just <laughs> been literally flying through it because I want to get some of the movement abilities so I can kind of get to the place where I was towards the end. Yeah, I think I think the game definitely clicked for me at hornet but now i've gone to the because you you told me earlier you're like once you get to a place where it's raining you'll know if the game is for you or not yeah um and that's where the game became like beautiful for me because i was really enjoying it and then getting to that point the story clicked the gameplay clicked the worlds clicked it definitely yeah. it reminded me a lot of Bloodborne because yeah. you're in this like kind of abandoned university that studied soul mm-hmm. and you have these strange wizards and like piles of of slime that were like failed experiments. Yeah. I think we can talk about it. So that that's called the City of Tears or like mm-hmm. that that's a university in the City of Tears. I forget what that specific place is called, but uh the City of Tears is like this big this big underground city. It used to be like this hustling bustling place. It was like the capital in a way of hollow nest which is the name of the entire world that you're in and the city of tears specifically is uh is under a lake so it's raining constantly so like the lake is just kind of like seeping through seeping through the floor of of the lake bed and and into the city which is amazing so it's constantly raining there it's a beautiful place the architecture is unbelievable and all the npcs there are really fascinating yeah you get at that point in the game you've seen at least a couple depending on how you've invested in the world you've seen a couple of the side stories play out and there's also a really it's probably the only cutscene in the game that i've experienced so far a hornet comes back mm-hmm. and she's just such a cool character i i get <laughs> i don't know if you've played Mega Man x in the very beginning of Mega Man x you fight this boss who's impossible to beat and you basically die and then zero shows up and kills him in one hit and he's like hey maybe one day you'll be as cool as me and that's yeah. what hornet is in this game basically just gliding around it's like so cool and you're like i know totally. how to um i know how to break dirt now i just learned that <laughs> um that's a new trait of mine yeah but yeah that area is so everything kind of comes together and there's the statue yeah. for hollow Knight, which like is yeah. is tragically beautiful i also appreciate that you know in the souls games a lot of the concrete story you're getting is from the item descriptions. Mm-hmm. And in this game, you're getting that from the uh, bestiary, from the from the creature descriptions. Yeah. One of my favorite little touches was there's this kind of loosely hinted at thing where there's this natural gas that's sort of corrupting the minds of a lot of these bugs. Yeah. And the praying mantis village, which are like hinted at being these ancient rivals of the bugs that you more resemble Mm -hmm. they haven't lost their minds but they're just angrier but they still have their like intelligence and their customs so that was probably my favorite boss were the mantis soldiers lords yeah you duel them in this really it it, because like i saw that there were three of them and one jumped down i'm like you're teaching me their attacks and then they're both gonna jump down aren't they yep that's what happened yeah and it was so fun and the rhythm of the fight was so cool and then once you beat them whenever you go back to the area the praying mantis or the manti i guess bow to you right which i thought was so neat like uh, something about that like the it reminded me a lot in bloodborne after you beat round the vacuous spider mm-hmm. the moon totally. shows up and all the creatures in the cathedral all like bowing to this kind of blood moon yeah i love when games have really important story events that the action doesn't stop for that you just have to discover on your own yeah um and and hollow knight does that beautifully and yeah, I, I think it is. It's a game I would recommend to anyone, but my only two notes would be it's really difficult, but it's difficult in like a fair learning way where you're going to get better the more you play it, as long as you're willing to do that. And mm-hmm. two, um, just give it like three hours. <laughs> just let, let, yeah. let three hours kind of wash over you. I'm now about 12 hours in. I went to, you also warned me about a place you said, 
you are going to fall into a place that is the worst and you will die a lot. And it's one of my favorite moments of the game. Yeah, um, it's one of my favorite moments, like in a video game. I think it is brilliant. The place is called Deep Nest and it's just the worst. And <laughs> when I when I got there, I actually navigated there through the fungal waste. I found the guy who sold the maps and he was like, this place gives me the creeps. Yep. And I had illumination at that time. So you have an ability that lights your area. I learned later that that area is naturally dark. So if I didn't have illumination, I would have just totally been screwed. Yeah. I got out of that area. And then as I walked out on the surface, the ground cracked beneath me and I fell back in, which was like, uh, I, I hear most people fall in through that. They yeah. they are going to the um, the moss prophet. We still haven't quite figured out, and they fall in. But I had I had achieved freedom and then fell back in, which was which was perfect. It was the hero's yeah. journey in an inverse way. <laughs> yeah, it's a game that I I think just succeeds in so many levels. And I think if, if we count it as a 2018 release because of the switch port, it's definitely probably my favorite game of the year. I would say so too. I thought it was going to be God of war after finishing it. Cause God of war is like a remarkable achievement, but sure. hollow Knight sticks with me and will continue to stick with me in like a really, really resonant way. And so how far are you at this point? It's kind of hard to talk about cause you can just play that game kind of in any order after Hornet. And I think yeah. city of tears is kind of, Maybe where it opens up more than the Hornet fight, but um, how, how far would you say you are? Like, what kind of abilities do you have? Where are you at? I um, achieved the ground pound ability where I can break like fragile ground beneath me cool. and I have illumination. So at this point, I'm probably 12 hours in. I've done a lot of the stuff with the side characters. Like I saved that crying bug who when you go, she once you save her, she's like, oh, I thought everyone forgot about me. Like, thanks for saving me. And she goes back to dirt mouth. And then mm-hmm. if you go to her house, she has like a bunch of stuffed dolls that look like you and her journal. Again, I, I hate that I keep reading people's journals and games because <laughs> it somehow feels so evil yeah. to me. But she's like she has this thing of like the hero and, and, and you saving her, which I thought was like a really cute touch. Yeah. There was a weird bug that showed up on one of the benches. I was talking to the stag beetle. Who's like one of my favorite characters. And he's like, just so you know, there's like a weirdo on the bench. Like I'll give him a ride if he needs it, but I'm really not a fan <laughs> of this guy. Yeah. And he's like, ah, true warrior. It walks everywhere. I can't believe you're taking a stag beetle. Oh, I forget what that guy's name is. I, I know who you're talking about though. He, he's kind yeah. of like an asshole. I've been spending more time just kind of soaking in the world than the characters but the next directive i've been given hornet's basically like if you really want to learn the secrets of this world go to the stone temple Mm -hmm. i went there with illumination thinking that i would light the area but it's still dark i think it's a fog that i have to get rid of now so i'm now searching for whatever ability lets me do that essentially Mm -hmm. that's where i'm at so i would say i'm probably halfway through if i were to just do the main stuff and nothing else yeah you might be a little bit Less than half, I would say. Gotcha. But I definitely am at the like turning point, uh, as yeah. as described by you. Yeah, I definitely I think we'll probably talk about it again once I'm done with it, because I'm sure there's even more stuff to look forward to. Yeah, I'm probably going to play through all of it again. So I'm, I'm very down for that. I'm just wondering. Um, so one of my favorite moments right before you go into the Mantis town or whatever you would call that like their their village oh i think it is called the mantis village right? yeah it's mantis village yeah right before you go down there quarrel is there who i mentioned last episode is my favorite npc in that game just like an incredible character he's there and he's like hey man maybe don't go down there yet like you should yeah <laughs> you, should upgrade, you should maybe wander around a little bit uh upgrade your stuff and i was like nah fuck you man i'm, I'm gonna go down and i just got destroyed by uh by the mantis lords that is the first area where i truly felt like oh man the common enemy here is i actually thought for a while that they were like purposely impossible then i realized what i had to do yeah but i remember just like running i remember i texted you being like is this the area that's the worst and you're like no I love that area. Like, yeah. what is the area that's the worst? Yeah. Uh, Coral is great. I, I do this thing both with comics and with games. So if there's a moment that I find really beautiful, I'll take a picture of it, um, which yeah. never really comes out thing. perfectly. But okay. I took once you meet Coral in the City of Tears and he's just looking out the window as it rains and he's yeah. like, my whole journey has been to get to this place. And now that I'm here, like, I kind of find that I'm not ready to go down. But isn't this view beautiful yeah uh and like that is such a like just sitting on the bench with him in the rain is such a like beautiful moment yeah and i love they emphasize it by even panning the camera over a little bit yeah 
you can't even really see the view out the window, but it is just the two of you kind of framed to the left with the window maybe taking up like that's one third of the camera. And then you just kind of see like the empty brain. For sure. He's definitely like the Solaire of the of the game in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely less more. He's more chill than Solaire is because Solaire is kind of like, I love the sun. And this bug's <laughs> like, hey, like the rain's kind of nice. Yeah. So you've it, probably met all the NPCs there in the City of Tears then, right? So there's the there's the antique collector, I think. Yeah, I met the leg eater, too, who I love. Um, leg eater. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's, sells you the fragile stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. He, I, I just felt the need to buy all his stuff because I was like, I got to see what he does afterwards. Like, I want to know this guy's deal. Yeah. Um, and he's just like, I want more geo. I'm like, all right, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. I would just remember where he is. Okay. Oh, I hate that coy smile of yours. I love no, it. No, it's just um yeah. I part of hundred percenting that game is completing or is getting all of the charms. So yeah. I know there's yeah, there are a few other people that sell charms and oh, and I got my I met the blacksmith, so I got my nail upgraded. Yes. I use the 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 badges I use or the, the pins I use are I always have wayward compass on. I just need it. Yeah, I uh, once I got that I I didn't turn it off unless I was doing like a boss fight or something and I knew I needed that charm slot that's basically um for anyone who's listening that doesn't know that but wants spoils i guess you're here um and the way we compass uh it pinpoints where you are on the map it's pretty essential oh it is worth mentioning also if we're going to get into that like the charm system in general you have a set number of slots and you can get these their pins essentially and they'll take up any number of slots between one and i think five is the most that that a charm can take up so you can kind of mix and match to suit your play style. And some of them will be things like the Wayward Compass, which will just show you where you are on the map. And some of them will be like, uh, here's the thing that makes it so when you want to reload your or recharge your health, it'll go a little bit faster that time. Or there's one that allows you to uh, get down on the ground and crawl, which is hilarious. <laughs> there's like goofy ones and then there's really helpful ones. Uh, there's combat focused ones and there's like kind of weird ones. Yeah, I felt so touched by the Mantis uh, village bowing to me that I'm using the mantis badge, which is yeah, um, it takes up three, but it extends the range of your physical attack. Hugely helpful. I love yeah, that it's, one. It's great. Um, yeah. Before that, I played around with some of them. I did the one where if you focus soul, a uh, dome appears around you, mm. um, which is kind of yeah, helpful. The boulder shell, I think it's called. Yeah. yeah, that one was good. There's another one I got that when you're charging soul, it just leaves like clouds of like fungal spores basically yeah that one's that one's pretty bananas but yeah i i tend to stick to the mantis wonks i i that's sort of my play style and, that, and that's what's cool is that there's no class system but if you want to focus on like a certain play style you can kind of make your character that with the pins like you can have a very spell focused uh pin arrangement or Mm -hmm. combat focused pin arrangement not like in a huge way but just in a subtle way that that will definitely upgrade your play style it is interesting also um kind of like binding of isaac weirdly some of the charms when you mix and match them will have unintended effects oh really that will either make them better or worse which is very cool. <laughs> I uh, I had to say, I remember the first time I played Binding of Isaac was with you and just like Dark Souls and other games. Weird. And yeah. uh, the first few upgrades I got made Isaac look really hip. Like he had like square glasses and like <laughs> you were like, you usually look really grotesque in this game, but you just look awesome. Like you look rad. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought that was really funny. I think I had yeah. like pink eye and glasses. Pink eye is obviously not fashionable, but it worked for the look. Uh, who knows? Maybe one day. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the future where like pink eyes that's so bizarre i don't even know how to get into that <laughs> but yeah i definitely want to touch base again once i beat hollow knight i've been kind of savoring it because i've been simultaneously trying to play it at my own speed and also play other games out for the switch so we can talk about them was there anything else about hollow knight that in this segment you wanted to kind of touch on in terms yeah, of yeah like- i'm just curious what bosses you fought at this point like what you what you think about them i i have so many thoughts about this game I definitely feel much better at the game than I was, which is a cool feeling. Yeah, definitely. The Mantis Lords were probably my favorite boss so far. They reminded me a lot of the Abyss Watchers in Dark Souls 3. Uh, this mm. sort of like very regal, but like furious combat. Yeah. I didn't really have too much of a uh, struggle with the Soul Master, but that was kind of a funny boss because like when Soul he, Master. Yeah. yeah. When he dies, I was like, is this a joke? Because he's like, boo. 
it's like way too overdramatic. But yeah. that was a ruse because then he comes back as like a ghost, basically. Yeah, the second phase. Yeah. So it was interesting to see like my gut reaction was correct and thinking like this seems like a joke, and it 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 was in a way. Uh, there's definitely in that area a lot of bosses that again become common enemies like the first sort of wizard you fight yeah the like mini soul master for some thing. reason the hardest enemy was literally in deep nest those bugs that just kept digging up like no matter what i did i would take a hit like no matter what yeah they're like silverfish or something and they yeah they the have a weird stuff. they have a weird rhythm to them that like i never was patient enough to just like get a hang of yeah but the bosses are are really where the combat of that game shines. I, I guess the last one was the Soul Master. Yeah. The Mantis Lords took the most tries, but it was the same kind of thing. I did this when I played Dark Souls or Bloodborne. I'll have to stand up and just like, okay, I'm going to give this one my all, you know? <laughs> it it sounds that. corny, but I, I have to do it. That's how I... um. I had a friend over and I was showing them Bloodborne because I was like, oh, this game's awesome. You should get it. And yeah. I got it to the Bloodstar Beast and I was like, okay, sorry, sorry, pal. I got to stand up for this one. And, uh, <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's really corny, but it's what I have to do. I don't know. I don't know how into the lore you've gotten yet. I found myself, I got like maybe halfway, three quarters of the way into the game. And then suddenly like things started clicking in my head just in terms of what this world is, how it all connects why things are placed on the map where they are. So the mm. way they made this game, I think it's probably a good point to tell you this. Like they basically decided what abilities and what mechanics they wanted in the game first. So like mm. the first thing they did was figure out the combat and the charm system and things like that. After that, they built the map and decided like, okay, this area is going to go here. Like we want like this kind of, you know, this desolate area in the beginning. And then the next place you're going to go to is kind of like a more overgrown wilderness area, which is green path and things like that. So they placed all those places in the map. And then after all of that, they were like, OK, we have all of this stuff done. The game like we have a we have a world and we have mechanics to traverse that world. What is the story? Why are these places where they are? Why do you have the abilities you have um, and things like that, which is a really fascinating way of building it out was like build the game and then put a narrative on top of it and just like figure out how it all connects. So one of my favorite things is the Mantis Lords. When you beat them, uh, it unlocks a door to the left. I don't know if you noticed that. Like there's a door that unlocks to the left there. Uh, or yeah, maybe it doesn't th unlock. Maybe you have to find your way back there from the other side. That goes to Deep Nest though, doesn't it? Which goes to Deep Nest. Yeah. What's really cool about the Mantis Lords, I think it might be in in their uh, in their their Hunter's Diary description or whatever but i i know it's somewhere in the lore you find out that the reason that the mantis lords were allowed to stay where they are in in, in the world and not kind of um have any outside interference from the rest of hollow nest or like the the society and the government that ruled over hollow nest was there was an understanding between the mantis lords and everyone else in hollow nest that they were going to keep deep nest out of hollow nest like their specific role was to guard that door and make sure that things inside Deep Nest never get out. Oh, wow. That's really Which cool. is really cool. So when you go through that door, you just see hordes of dead Manti yeah. and dead Deep Nest enemies and like the pikes in the ground to like prevent the Deep Nest bugs from getting in. It's like those little moments yeah, of yeah. kind of environmental storytelling, I think, make that game what it is in my head. Like I have such a I have such a vivid image of that world and how it all pieces together now because of those little tiny scraps that you get over time. Yeah. There's also when you fight Hornet for the first time, there's like in the background, basically your helmet and cape with like a knife through the chest into a rock. And I got the sense of like, is she, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm off base here, but I'm like, is she aware that I keep respawning? Is this something that is unique to the character I'm playing as and everyone else kind of has to deal with? That might be me thinking a bit too far into it. I'm just I'm looking at an image of that fight. And you're right. There is there is like a little version of you. Um, you you will learn about that. <laughs> I figured that's a thing. I mean, the the shade alone, which I think is a really cool take on the Dark Souls mechanic of when you die, you lose all your currency or or whatnot. Oh, yeah. I love the fact that that you have to fight a shadow version of yourself and the fact that you know, you slowly can unlock more health if you find mask shards. And the fact that mm -hmm. if you have more health, your shadow also has more health. Now it takes like yes. three hits. That's a really, really cool thing. Yeah, it, it's it's a really it, that idea of them building the game first and then the world and then the story on top is 
a testament to the idea of um, form having function and everything having a purpose in this world and not being like not hitting you over the head with it either. It's just like it feels so fully realized because it is it's it's thought of. I, yeah. I can't imagine. I don't know if that's the one true and tried method to making a world as effective as this, because there's definitely, you know, other methods out there, but it it certainly pays off in this case. Yeah, it definitely feels um, a little bit subversive. Like it definitely feels I imagine in most cases, the way you would approach something like that is you would say, there's a story I want to tell now what mechanics go in that instead of the other way around. Um, but it is cool to say, like, uh, what what movement abilities do you have? You have like the the downward dash and I have the dash. I have the wall bounce, the wall jump. Yeah. So like, there's reasons for those existing. Yeah. In the world, like there's reasons that you learn those things. There's re- oh, you probably have like the thing where you can shoot soul out, right? Yeah. I actually that was the first thing I got. I, fa- yeah. I met the snail wizard, and he was like, uh, "Go dispose of that beast, this spell for me." Right. Like I'll I'll do you this solid if you uh if you go do me this solid. Yeah. It's like scratch my back i'll scratch yours and that's why you get that ability which is very cool it's like of course that little snail thing would know that ability and i love it uh absorbing that absorbing that soul magic for the first time like blacks you out yeah you like get knocked out because it's like so much power to kind of consume it's brilliant yeah it really is we'll have to touch base again once i once i finish it because i'm again i want to talk about all of that yeah um, and we'll save that for another spoiler centric <laughs> segment yeah maybe maybe we'll keep the hollow Knight conversations to the end yeah exactly as you're making your way through it Just start another podcast just exclusively for hollow Knight gushing yeah. yeah i'm i'm very excited to finish it. i'm also excited to play as the the paid dlc to play as hornet because like the, yeah. there's part of me too that again because this game is 15 dollars, which is insane like the more i play the more i'm like how is this 15 dollars? i would have easily paid 60 yeah. I almost feel obliged to give them more money because that's exactly like, how I feel. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's just so good. And that's also like how DLC should be. Like you make a fully realized game that people genuinely love and then you just make more content that adds to it and not like yeah. we're going to make a half finished game that will eventually charge DLC for. Although I think honestly, everyone seems to be moving away from that. I think there was enough backlash from people, you know, playing games that that stopped happening as much. I think there's a lot more free DLC now. If it's like, oh, we really fucked up with this game. We're going to fix it for free. I think Battlefront 2 is a great example of that. I think a lot of people would point at Destiny 2, and I I don't entirely disagree with that as someone who loves that game, where like Destiny 2 came out in a state that probably was not fully finished or like wasn't the fully realized version of it and then they started charging for dlc and people were like what are you doing the game's not done but i think hollow knight's just a great example of like honestly how games should be you know not not just to say that every game should be like this in terms of gameplay but just how games should be released the the love and craft behind it and like you know i always think of the (laughs) the 2010s this smithsonian exhibit of games are art if there was a 2018 one this would be on the on the highest pedestal for me yeah visually mechanically sonically even like (laughs) yeah no and everything everything comes together you know and and it's also something that you have to play to experience right Um, i think there are a lot of early games that were story centric that relied more on cutscenes or 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 whatever to tell a story yeah and this just isn't so much more effectively yeah there are like maybe four to five things that i would consider cutscenes in that entire game yeah and cutscenes are really strong but you have to use them like a, a a fine spice because you're taking control away from the player yeah definitely i i love just it's we keep like wrapping up but i keep getting <laughs> emotional about it's like again. a sisyphus love it's wonderful and yeah. i can't wait to finish it and i'm i'm just really excited for this week because i want to get more into hollow knight i want to uh, try Dead Cells out, which I think is another Metroidvania Souls alike game that we're both really excited for. Yeah, I'm just I'm just like, I know I'm going to fall deeply, deeply in love with Dead Cells. <laughs> I, I already know it. Yeah. So we'll that will I, I would bet my life that that will be the next episode is is Dead Cells. At least centric. Dead Cells. Yeah. Yeah. And then Thursday, Okami is being released. And that's another one of our favorites. So um there's a lot to talk about there. A lot of games that we really want to highlight. Cause that's, I think if there's any point to this podcast. I think it's just us wanting to like admire the games we really love as a medium. You know, I think like, yeah. uh, I, I don't want to sit here and be like, I don't like this. Like I want to focus on what I actually love. And there's yeah. a lot, there's a lot to love out there. I agree. 
Yeah, I think we should wrap it up. But um, we I just want to say real quick, too, that yeah. um, Brendan and I started doing this largely because we just enjoy talking about games together. I think we, uh, you know, enjoy each other's take on things. And we also did it just to kind of get back in touch because it had been a while and we've really enjoyed making them. And I've also been really happy to see the positive reception so far. Absolutely. Yeah. It's brought me a lot of joy <laughs> over the past couple of weeks. <laughs> um, and that said, if you like the show and you you know someone else that you think would like it, it would mean a lot if you showed it to someone else. Um, I I don't think we plan on paying for ads no. anytime soon or anything. So any any growth that this show has is word of mouth. If you listen to the best episodes, we've burnt bridges with GameStop, Wikipedia, uh, Whole Foods. <laughs> so they're, they're all out. They've pulled their funding. Yeah. So, yeah. I hope you have a great week. Yes. Yes. Likewise. Cool. Oh, yeah. Goodbye. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. I almost mispronounced my last name. Being cool is nice. Being cool is nice and being nice is cool. Catch you later. See ya. Goodbye. Slam that stop button. Garbage dot online.